Tonight is September 15th, 2021, and it's the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. We're going to do a week two preview. Here we go. We're doing it. Right now. Well, like, in a moment. <laughs> I like this song. I, I wasn't sure if I would like it uh, a couple months ago, but yeah, it's not bad. I think this singer could use a little more work. Yeah, well, more production anyway. He's an up-and-coming <laughs> artist. And one of those guys doesn't get popular until after he's 40. All right. Well, at least it's not like a Pablo Picasso <laughs> or a Van Gogh. That's right. So, uh, this is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. I am uh, Jason Evans, joined again by David Biggs. Thank you, David, for being here tonight um, in, in as your you, studio. As you, as you wish. <laughs> uh, cheers, buddy. Okay. Cheers so, to a, a good beer, right? It's very tasty. Yeah, right now uh, we are drinking out of some fancy glasses. It is the So Hopped Heracles Peanut Butter, Marshmallow, and Chocolate Imperial Stout. Finely crafted in Huntley, Illinois. And I can, unlike unlike some of those uh, beers that right are 15 20 bucks for a bomber, I can taste all of those individual flavors. I think it's uh, pretty well put together. Oh, they've got a nice little story. Here we go. We've added a new level of sophistication to our repertoire with small-batched, barrel-aged beers named after Heracles, the ancient Greek demigod, more commonly known by his Roman name, Hercules. This batch boasts bold flavors from peanut butter, marshmallow, and chocolate cocoa nibs, courtesy of Ethereal Confections in Woodstock, Illinois. Heracles' strength was legendary. We hope to create a new legend with this barrel-aged beer, both in terms of strength and taste. It is 12% alcohol, so it is quite strong. Well, I'm so glad you gave that spot to uh, So Hopped out there in Huntley. Perhaps they'll consider uh, giving us a spot on their advertiser roster. Yeah, maybe the next one we get is free. <laughs> like that's a start right i'm gonna uh we go to our next beer later let me read the back i'm gonna read it like uh i'm a voice actor oh perfect yeah. okay that sounds great <laughs> uh so yeah we are here live on youtube on uh, wednesday night so if you're listening to us uh later on in the week remember that every wednesday at nine o'clock you can join us live so you can uh follow the stream while we're doing it you can ask us questions live jump in the chat room and talk to everybody who's watching the show um, but in the meantime, subscribe to our show on YouTube and anywhere you find your podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Drink5. Check out Drink5 on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always go to Drink5.com. That is the uh, OG home of all of our uh, material. OG, let's move on to uh, Week 1 Recap. Yeah, so we are going to hit up some of the Week 1 stuff before we move on to Week 2. We do have... Um, couple games that we're going to touch on in order to sort of recap the week first up is the packers versus the saints that was a uh big marquee afternoon matchup that wound up being a very lopsided uh game i think more lopsided than anyone would have guessed so the packers only put up three points so there's a lot of worry involved with anybody who's invested in the packers offense the you know people who drafted Devontae adams in the first round aaron jones in the first round aaron Rodgers, and probably like the fourth round of a single quarterback redraft league. Mm-hmm. So let me quote the great Aaron Rodgers when we tell everyone to R-E-L-A-X. Right. Relax, everybody. So Last, what, do you, what do you think the problem was in this particular matchup? I think that the problem was that Aaron Rodgers got hit in the nuts on the first <laughs> interception that he had. Oh. And the second interception was basically a punt. Um, 
look, he had a similarly ugly game last year against Tampa Bay in the regular season. And in 2019, he ended with a four-game streak where he only had four touchdowns and under a 56% completion rate. So it's not like this Packers team hasn't struggled before. They know how to turn it around. They know how to make this offense work uh, if it's sputtered a few times. It's okay. They were playing in Jacksonville. Perhaps New Orleans was right when it when they picked Jacksonville as a tough spot for the Packers to play. Who knows? Point being, they know how to turn the offense around. I'm not worried about the offense. If you drafted uh, the top-end Packers in your fantasy team, you're just going to keep starting them. Don't worry about it. Um, this week, they're going to be playing the Lions, who just gave up 40 points to Jimmy Garoppolo. And, pardon me, and Trey Lance. Um, it's the Packers' defense, if you're worried about anything in Green Bay, that you should be worried about. Uh-huh. So the Packers uh, do not possess the reigning MVP on defense, and it's you know concerning to see that they gave up 38 points to Jameis Winston. And uh, Winston did have a good game; he was pretty efficient. Uh, so I think that really I'm going to start targeting fantasy players to start against the Packers for most of the year, especially if their defense keeps this up. So when you're looking at a team to start against, obviously you're talking about the lower end of your players. You're not worried about your studs. You're always going to start them. It's the uh, those uh, guys you have questions on when they're starting when they're playing against the Packers. That's going to be a point that leans me towards starting them. So on the other side of this game, we look at the Saints. Uh, they definitely have found their guy in Jameis Winston. Uh, the LASIK surgery worked. L A S I K for the for the Saints. Uh, so he had 148 yards on five touchdowns. It was his. It was the lowest yardage total ever in the NFL for someone who threw five touchdowns. So if you want more crazy stats like that, go check out Statistically Insignificant every week. I um, will give you five ridiculous stats to look at. You know, some more crazy than others, um, but I try to post them. You know, Monday or Tuesday, uh, so that you have something interesting to discuss at the water cooler. Uh, when you're talking about the week that was in the NFL. So the Saints attempted 39 rushes and 21 passes. I expect that to be more balanced uh, or even flipped in most games because they do seem like they've traditionally been a passing team. So when they're not blowing out their opponent, they're not going to be able to run the ball quite as much. I think Elvin Kamara had 20 carries in this game, and that must be one of the highest totals he's ever had in his career. Jameis Winston found seven different receivers to throw to, so it's unclear to me who his favorite target is going to be. Um, but you had Juwan Johnson. He caught two touchdowns. Deontay Harris had a 55-yard touchdown. Both of those guys look good. I think that going forward, um, there are guys to definitely keep an eye on for the Saints. Um, any, any takeaways from this game that you know I haven't mentioned, Dave? No, I, I thought, uh, as many other people did, that that uh, Jameis Winston is a good quarterback uh, that's able to throw the ball for tons of yards. We've seen that on the Bucks, uh, and on uh, in this particular offense, if he's controlled a little bit more and is able to uh, handle the ball without uh, throwing out interceptions, clearly that's a good uh, equation for success for the Saints. As far as which players on the team are going to be more successful, this is a a brand new offense that they had to tweak after Drew Brees left. They have a brand new quarterback uh, in Jameis Winston and another one in Taysom Hill who will occasionally come out on the field. And so I think it remains to be seen. I, I still think that uh, Marquez Callaway will be a big part of this game. 
Uh, Juwan Johnson was a sleeper picked by my many fantasy experts out there uh, as being a guy that uh, may be a go-to target for Jameis Winston, being that he has had success with tight ends before. And uh, Jared Cook leaving the Saints left that big uh, vacuous space uh, that was just waiting for a pass catcher there and maybe even a red zone target. So, yeah, uh, so yeah I think we need to wait uh, for a week or two to see who those targets really end up being. It was interesting to see um, Deontay Harris, as you mentioned, but I think Michael Thomas might be nearing the end of his illustrious career, yeah. especially when we talk about dynasty football. Mm-hmm. There might be only a year or two left. I'm not sure what his contract currently stands at. But uh, I like uh, Callaway and Harris as being the guys that may be the beneficiaries of Thomas being gone until week eight at least. So Michael Thomas is signed through 2024. Mm. However, there's an out after 2022 um, for the team. So so there'll be one more year at least. And I don't know all the contract issues, but this is you know what Sportrack says. He is only 20, 28 this year. Mm-hmm. So in in terms of wide receiver years, he's not too old. Um, speaking of old guys, we already have a question from the chat room. I am a bot wants to know if we're starting AB over Scary Terry uh, when we look at Dave's rankings, which are posted on drink5.com. Well, we want to know if he's a bot, so I have a question of him first. Okay, ask away. Well, he says he's a bot, so I guess we have to... Are you a bot? I am a bot. Are you a robot? I am a robot. But, like, it, we can he check the box? <laughs> can he is check the question. The, can he check the box? Click okay. on all of the boxes that have stoplights in them. Can you check the box? And then we will tell you the answer. Oh, type in this word. Uh, E-X-F-F-1-6. Is that a G or a 6? I can't tell. Refresh. Refresh. At new letters. New okay, letters. so we have Terry McLaurin <laughs> at half point PPR ranked uh, 17. Antonio Brown ranked 22. So the question is, why aren't you starting both of them? If you have to choose one, then you put Terry McLaurin in over a, against the weak New York Giants defense um, right now. Yeah, my, uh, my specific advice would be that Antonio Brown could go off any particular game, but there's so many targets on that offense, whereas on the Washington offense, uh, they have Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin, and that's all they have. So you're going to have a more consistent floor that's going to be fairly high with Terry McLaurin, whereas... Uh, did he type in the, the letters? He just said, I am not LMAO. <laughs> Where, whereas you have that more consistent floor with Terry McLaurin because he's one of the only weapons on his team that is worth going to. So when we get games that are more Mike Evans, uh, we get games that are more Chris Godwin and uh, you know whatever. Uh, some games, Antonio Brown won't be involved as much. Uh, but I totally understand the hesitancy there, especially when Antonio Brown went and played like he did uh, several years ago on the Steelers um, in that game. It's yeah. just it's a great thing to see. I I love AB of the past, and everything in me wishes that he was not an asshole. Uh, but I'm not putting that into his stock in the football game. I just think that there's too many weapons in Tampa Bay for him to be consistent every week. And Terry McLaurin will probably have the higher floor. That's where I'm going. I, I'm 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 with you there. Very good. So he's in a full PPR league. He has a Rob, AB, and Terry. I mean, a Rob obviously is ranked higher, but you know me, I'm a Bears hater. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want a Rob on my team, anyways. That's crazy. But that's neither here nor there. He was one of the best receivers last year. I know. And there's I no know. reason why he won't be good this year. I know. So. This is why you're here. 
to tell me that the Bears players are, are occasionally good. It's just Allen Robinson and David Montgomery. Okay. That's, I mean, <laughs> don't start Andy Dalton. Cole Komet is not a top 10 tight end. Just those two guys. So if you have those two guys, you can start them. Just don't let Jason know. He'll be very upset. <laughs> so moving on, the Texans and the Jaguars. The beginning of the season uh, is a time where everybody thinks that new coaches and new rookies are going to be the solution to all of life's problems, right? Uh, that's what we saw with the Jaguars. Everybody was high on them. So when you have a tumultuous offseason for the Texans and you have everybody expecting the Jaguars to win, then you're going to even get people picking the Jaguars in a survivor pool, which let me give everybody some advice here. Don't ever pick a team that's on a 15-game losing streak in a survivor pool. Just some basic you know, logic there. How I many think. How many people lost out of the pool? Two people. Yeah. Which is like a, you know, it's tw- it's 10% of the pool. Didn't you put that in the it's rules? It's not a huge pool. Like, I don't give a lot of hints, but don't pick Jacksonville. I should have, you know, just, <laughs> I want people to at least make it to week two. Minshew Mini is over. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I don't want them to w- make it to week two. Now that everybody has forgotten and now remembered, the Jaguars are now on a 16-game losing streak. Let's remember that. Yeah. And the Texans didn't really forget how to play football, even though they kind of forgot how to manage a team. Um, so this week, I do believe that we're going to see how bad the Texans really are when they play Cleveland. Uh, so the Jaguars are going to continue to get beat up everywhere, but they're going to provide decent fantasy value. We did see Trevor Lawrence was a QB 12. He also got Marvin Jones up there and DJ Chark. They were WR 19 and 20 respectively. Mm-hmm. And again, when we give all these rankings, we're looking at half point PPR. So, I am really uh, wishy-washy on the type of fantasy returns we're going to get from Houston going forward. I don't know what to expect when they're not playing a garbage team like the Jaguars. I think Brandon Cooks and Mark Ingram are safe plays. Okay. Kind of like the Bears. Anybody else is not going to be good for you. And then then (laughs) on... You know, as far as the Jaguar go, the Jaguars go. Trevor Lawrence locked in as a as a super flex quarterback, and you've got Marvin Jones and DJ Chark. We'll talk about Lavisca Chenault a little bit later, and you know, there's going to be fantasy production from that team. Whether or not James Robinson is actually used in a meaningful way is yet to be determined because it seems like Urban Meyer may not want to run the ball very much. They threw the ball 51 times. Yes, but they they were behind for yes. the majority of the game. So, I mean, he has that. Uh, I, I don't think that there's a way that he can not use the better running back on his team. But my understanding is that he has a relationship uh, with Carlos Hyde, which is probably why he tried to put him out there as a show of good faith, etc., uh, in a player that had a previous relationship with Meyer. That sounds like such a stupid college thing to do. But that's what happened. I know. Uh, but I think, you know, they're going to see in the, the – GM will see and everyone will see that James Robinson is a better running back. Yeah. So how could they not uh, give him some touches? That's true. I don't know. Urban Meyer is an experiment that is very interesting. Uh, I just uh, recently, Sean Foss, who's our uh, college rookie expert uh, on drink5.com and a frequent contributor, uh, sometimes on the podcast, was, was guesting <sighs> Last on a, week on the podcast. Was guesting on another show, uh, a live show here on, um, on YouTube. And I, uh, I forget the name. I'll look it up. You, you tell us your anecdote of the show. But, but what was interesting is they were talking about Urban Meyer. They had uh, one of the questions that was brought up it was was if uh, he was going to end up being the coach at the end of the year, or if he would do so badly that uh, that he would end up being voted off the island. And 
there was a poll on Twitter, and they had to guess uh, over under, you know, what what percentage of people. And point is, a lot more people than than I thought already think. Uh, and this is even before uh, the game started uh, this past week that Urban Meyer is not going to last in the NFL longer than one season. You know, there's a lot of college coaches that do not last that long. Yeah. So hopefully he doesn't completely ruin uh, the fantasy value of some of those players. We'll have to see. So that was the Front Yard Fantasy Football. Yeah, they have, uh, a, they have a YouTube show. channel. It was very entertaining. They have a bunch of game shows on their channel. And uh, go check them out. Shout out to Front Yard Fantasy. Very cool. So um, the Cardinals and the Titans is the third game we're going to highlight from week one. I like this game because there's a ton of fantasy-relevant players in it. So most of the Cardinals stars did what they're supposed to do. Kyler Murray was the QB1 of the week, uh, and he was drafted as the 2 or 3, so that makes a lot of sense. Do you have him on a league this year? I do. That's great. It was uh, it was fun to have him there. It's pretty fun. DeAndre Hopkins had two touchdowns in the first half, so you know your investment there was really good. The backfield with Arizona looks like it's going to be a committee this season. Both Edmonds and Connor had 16 touches each. I suppose that number is so high because... Uh, they were winning. They won like 38 to 14 or something like that. So they were leading for most of the game, meaning that they're going to run the ball a little bit more than they would on average. Um, but because they got 16 touches each on a game where they're both going to get a lot of work and it's still only 16, I think that they're going to be on the wrong side of the flex conversation most of the time, and you're going to want to keep them on the bench. Now, if one of them goes down, then the other guy, presuming that they get used as a primary back, will probably be fantasy relevant. But for now, I don't like either of them as a start. Well, Edmonds is currently the guy in PPR leagues, especially because uh, he also gets the passing downs. He had four receptions. For 43 yards. And uh, generally, there could be a touchdown involved in there. But if you if you say four for 43 in a PPR league, that's 8.3 points plus the 63 yards. So then you're at uh, 14.7. Uh, that's not bad. Yeah, not terrible. Right. Not... But that's like a, that feels like a ceiling for him. Like I'm not, I'm not even thinking he's going to score 20. So I feel like you're against Chase Edmonds. Uh, I just don't like these. <laughs> I don't like a, a split backfield on a passing team. Uh, so AJ Green looks like he's going to need a little bit more time uh, to adjust to the offense, or he's not good anymore. Christian Kirk was second on the team in receiving. He had five passes on five targets, 70 yards and two touchdowns. Um, it's hard to ask him to do more than he did. If he can be the reliable guy for Murray, then he'll be the solid number two behind Hopkins. But as you were saying, Dave, he's still not on the field. As you were saying, off the air, he's not on the field enough to like be ranked higher. Well, Kirk at the moment, Kirk has been the number two guy in that offense when he's been healthy over the past couple of years. But that offense switches up so much and has personnel coming in and out all the time that uh, yeah, Christian Kirk, as opposed to DeAndre Hopkins, is only out there like fifty-four percent of the snaps in Week One. Uh, we've seen that happen in uh, previous games in in uh, 2020, and and so it's difficult to trust this guy. The fact that he could have two touchdowns is fantastic, but generally he'll just give you the 60, 70 yards. So like last year, he had two games with two touchdowns, uh, and a couple games with one touchdown. The rest of them, no touchdowns, generally uh, 60, 70 yards. Uh, and I know uh, a lot of people had Christian Kirk last year expecting really big things. Because I believe he had some pretty big games when he started to get utilized the previous year. Yeah. Well, he, he has been on the field a lot more in the past. Last year, finishing the season, he was on the field at least 80% of the time for the last half of the season. 
Um, so I think that will probably cut down based on all of the wide receiving talent, wide receiving talent they have. Yeah, they're wide team. receiving over there for sure. They are wide receiving all over the place. <laughs> Um. So, what else we got on the uh, on that team? So, so Kirk. So, okay. I still think Kirk is worthwhile, at least the roster. He's the fourth most added player in the last three days, and he's still only owned in fifty four percent of flea flicker. I think people are chasing the two touchdowns, and they're not going to get what they want. Well, save a bench spot for that at least. Yeah, not if you're not going to play the guy. Upside. I think he has a lot of upside. He just showed it. He's only gonna he's only gonna do it twice. <laughs> That's great all year. upside. You missed it. You missed it. <laughs> so, uh, the Titans were the disappointment in the game. They only scored one touchdown. They had 248 total yards of offense. Julio Jones was a big disappointment. He was outplayed by Chester Rogers. I had to look it up. I was like, is there some rookie named Chester Rogers? No, it's the guy who's been kicking around the league for a while and has never done anything. Um, so he led the team, Chester Rogers did, led the team in receiving yards. Derrick Henry was held to only 58 yards on 17 carries. It's a little alarming. So the Titans lost their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. He's now the head coach in Atlanta. Um, now, the Atlanta six-point offensive explosion indicates maybe it's not always the coach's fault when it comes to these things. So I do expect the Titans to be better in the next few weeks. However... They're already 5.5 point underdogs in Seattle, going to Seattle this week. So uh, what they need to do is play the division games that are coming up for them. They're going to feast playing Jacksonville and Houston and probably even Indianapolis. So the main takeaway from this game, I think, is that the Cardinals probably have taken a step forward and they are in a very good division. And the Titans are treading water at best at the moment and may have taken a small step back from where they were looking at their, like, narrow Super Bowl window. So hopefully the Titans' offense can uh, reconfigure and uh, your Ryan Tannehill's and Derrick Henry's will be worthwhile all season long. But I think that there's a small chance that they are kind of one of these teams that goes uh, into the toilet this season. Um, So we'll see how they do against Seattle. If they can keep it close against Seattle, then I have a lot of faith in them. Uh, being a decent team this year. And if they cannot keep it close against Seattle too, then, you know, great. They get to play their division. But uh, when they play the NFC West, which they're playing this year, they're not going to have a good time. Uh, The NFC West is the best division in football. Hell, both of the Wests are fucking great. All right, all right, all right. All right. The sound of an endless love can I have a little of this PBR here? Yeah. Thank you, sir. You called it PBR. Some people are going to take exception to that. <laughs> Thank you. you want to rinse out a glass but I think that peanut butter marshmallow chocolate combined with the PBR is just gonna oh it's gonna be great you can leave that in there yeah so if anyone has questions uh, in the chat room please 
Let us know. We'll try to get to those uh, towards the end. I have some room for a couple more lineup questions. We do have one uh, that we got from Twitter earlier today, which I will be uh, asking to Jason and uh, and me. Why not? Uh, we're both here at the table. I like asking myself questions. It's fun. <laughs> uh, but for right now, uh, I think we're going to go into uh, the week two rankings. Um, and and I you know I, I put those out there every week. Uh, they're also listed on fantasypros.com as uh, one of the many experts, I am in part of that group that makes up the expert consensus rankings on fantasypros.com. I don't get paid by them or anything, but uh, I do really uh, support that website, and I like that they're out there uh, taking the ADP and the, the ECR and putting them in easy-to-use uh, spreadsheets that you can sort, you can export. They track so much data, so we don't have to. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't subscribe or, or, or uh, pay into any of their specific programs, you can still use all of their basic functionalities, which are great just to print yourself out something uh, or, or even use their new function, which allows you to just click off a box and then, and then uh, use it as a uh, cheat sheet right there on your laptop. So very cool fantasy pros. Appreciate uh, allowing me to be a part of that. Um, we were number six overall in draft rankings last year. That was pretty cool. In 2019. Uh, well, let's call that last year. Okay. I drafted this year, right? That's true. <laughs> anyway, uh, what are we going to do here? We're going to take a look at the players that I like? So, yeah, we're going to look at uh, the bigger ECR discrepancies. As you said, ECR is expert consensus rankings. So I'm going to give you the ranking that we uh, have that Dave has assigned them, and then the ECR will look at the difference and try to, f- you know, uh, figure out why. And and please, like I, you know, I, I feel like I have some insight into how you uh, rank these players and what you feel. I can tell. But you, if I've got it wrong, let me know. I can tell you why. This is Jason's interpretation of why. This is definitely Jason's interpretation, which is fun. This is fun. So, uh, starting off at quarterback, we've got Aaron Rodgers. We're ranking him at number four. His ECR is seven, so that's a plus three. When you're at that, when you're that high up the rankings, plus three is a big difference. Even though, uh, even at seven, you're starting him. So, Dave has faith in Rodgers. He's even Dave has been the guy before saying R E L A X. So I don't think there's a lot to look into here. I think that he's playing against the Lions. They gave up 19.2 points to the 49ers quarterbacks. So after a bad game last week, I, I'm with Dave. Go with Rodgers. You're going to have no problem with him this week. Yeah, Rodgers uh, recently beat Tom Brady in golf. Uh, that was a fun thing. It's called The Match. You can look it up on YouTube. What you should look up is not the golf match because golf is boring to watch, but you should look up uh, the, the, the Match, which is what they called it, uh, Trash Talking. Because you can see all of the Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady trash talking each other as they play golf. Have you seen that? I, I did watch some of the match. Well, watch the trash. Well, they talking. were trash talking during the match. It was great. Right. You just you don't have to watch it for three hours. Is well, all it I'm was. I, no, I certainly wouldn't <laughs> do that. Anyway, it was very entertaining. Uh, Not since the days of Tiger Woods in his prime have I watched much golf. I don't think Aaron Rodgers um, is uh, unfortunately. Uh, going to be able to beat Tom at the at the quarterback position. I think he's Tom has pretty much solidified that at this point. But Aaron Rodgers and his performance last week has nothing in common with what will happen for the rest of the year. No real reason why that should continue to go on. So, yep, go go uh, a Raj. I don't even like the Packers, but it doesn't matter what I like. <laughs> There's no reason why Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams don't score a ton of fantasy points. This That's week. true. Uh, Tyrod Taylor. We've got him ranked at 31. His ECR is 25, so we're down six spots on him. 
Last week, Tyrod reminded everybody that he definitely has the talent to be a starting quarterback in this league when he's not being pricked in the lung by Hmm. painkillers. So with this week's matchup against the Browns, I'm with Dave. You have to sit Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, in all formats, all Superflex formats this week. The Browns' defense is far too improved. And really, the Browns were a bad snap away from winning that game against Kansas City. If they don't fumble that uh, snap uh, to the punter, what was it? The punter dropped the ball in the fourth quarter, giving the Chiefs a very short field. I, I think that the Browns have a much better chance, a very good chance at winning that game. Mm-hmm. And then we're it's a whole different conversation. The Browns are suddenly one of the best teams in the league because they beat the Chiefs. But that's all hypothetical. What I'm saying Hugh, for you this week, Houston has to go to Cleveland, I believe, and play the Browns. The uh, Browns are double-digit favorites, and I think they're going to cover. Um, and if you guys are interested in the whole spreads and sports betting and over-unders, check out our guy Troy writes an article on our website every week, and he'll give you uh, early week line tips so that you can uh, take a look at stuff and kind of uh, uh, judge early week and, and know what uh, kind of value you're looking for. Yeah, and then all you degenerates can gamble in multiple channels. Yes, that's damn right, dude. <laughs> You're calling us by the right name, too. Thank you. So, moving on to running backs, you got Leonard Fournette. He is ranked number 27, but his ECR is 33. We're six spots up on him. That means that we're high on Fournette. So, last week, Fournette stumbled into a 10-point game, and he was not the main featured back. This week, I suspect he sees more playing time because Ronald Jones fumbled, and he did not see the ball again in week one. Now, he's perhaps going to get more playing time this week. Uh, he'll be back on the field, but I think Fournette is going to see more time than he did last week. He had seven targets and five, five receptions, so he's the featured back in the passing game right now. That signals to me maybe he's going to fill that James White role. They've been looking for... Tom Brady's been looking for a James White ever since he left uh, Ever since he left um, New England. And they signed Giovanni Bernard to d- fill that role. Maybe Gio's not ready yet, but it certainly seems like Leonard Fournette uh, is the guy at the moment. Um, so if Fournette starts averaging more than the 14 touches he had last week, he's going to be an every-week flex play at the very least. I like Leonard Fournette this week, and so do you. Yeah, I don't want to. mark. I don't want to <laughs> prognosticate about uh, Ronald Jones and Gio because I do think that those two are probably the guys moving forward. But this ranking is just for week two, and that's it. And uh, Fournette is the guy that works right now. Uh, and, you know, he's an he's an older running back that probably won't be around all season for many reasons. But for right now, he is the guy that's working out and uh, that Tom Brady is comfortable with. And the guy that Tom Brady is comfortable with is the guy that plays. Yeah. So Ty Johnson of the Jets, he is ranked number 39 on your rankings. His ECR is 50. So you're 11 spots higher than the public on him. So I like Johnson as a dart throw this week in deeper leagues only uh, because he is ranked 39. He's not going to crack many lineups that are in, you know, 10-team leagues and stuff like that. Last week, Tevin Coleman led the Jets' backfield. He had 24 carries, 24 yards on nine carries. Big whoop. Nobody wants to see that again. The Jets had a bad balance. They threw the ball 37 times. They only ran at 17. They need to run the ball more. Um... So I think that Ty Johnson was the best of the three backs that touched the ball last week for the Jets. Um, was there something else that you saw with Ty Johnson that led you to rank him so much higher than the rest of the experts? 
Um, I don't know, Jay. Not not specifically. I uh, I just think that uh, the 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 Jets uh, running back collective that they have with Michael Carter that was supposed to win the job um, halfway through the season doesn't seem like he has a whole lot of momentum right now. Yeah, nobody and, really and, does. And so Ty seems like the best of the bunch at the moment. Okay. And I think they're gonna. Uh, the team is looking better than they have in a long time. Zach Wilson looks like a. Uh, a legit quarterback, and they have a, a number of wide receivers on their team that should do well. Although there's some injuries and COVID issues and things going on. Yeah. Um, but but the team will eventually, uh, uh, you know, uh, balance itself out. Right now, I think he's the guy, and that's uh, again for so many of these, just like the last one with Leonard Fournette. I don't think Ty Johnson is the guy down the line. He's just the guy right now. The right now. Um. So looking at guys who were. L- we're lower on uh, Melvin Gordon. He's ranked 31. His ECR is 23. So we're eight spots down for him because we're so down on him. I wanted to mention him here, but we will touch on Melvin Gordon more in a few minutes. Chase Edmonds, who we did talk about earlier, he's ranked 30 with an ECR of 25. So we're five spots lower than the ECR there. I believe this takes him off of the flex radar, uh, mainly due to what we were saying, what I was saying before, anyways, and that he's in a, f- a backfield committee, and I don't like that, especially on a pass-first team. Um, he's going to score a few touchdowns this year, but it's not like uh, it's not like a guy who's going to score eight touchdowns, and you can kind of throw him in every week, hoping that it happens. You know, uh, three, maybe four. Well, neither him or or Connor scored touchdowns yet, right? But remember, last year we had Kenyon Drake on the Arizona offense, and there were a lot of touchdowns there. So we really are playing wait and see at the moment. Yeah, Is but it, I feel like Kenyon Drake had more of a dominant role than a, than the way that these guys are splitting. Now, there's a lot of times when uh, when Drake didn't have as big of a role as people wanted as an owner of Drake. It's true. Uh, we just have to see how they use these two guys. And again, it's a it's a week to week ranking system. So the reason he drops is because we didn't see him score a touchdown, and we saw Connor take so many of the carries. So we know it's going to be a split situation. There you go. Ronald Jones, who's ranked 47, his ECR is 38. We're nine spots down on him. We don't need to repeat ourselves that much on him. He's going to cede some work to Fournette. Uh, if you can't hold the hold on to the ball around Tom Brady, you're not going to play. And again, this is week two. So, you know, this is what we see right now. This is a snapshot of the moment rather than a forecast of the rest of the season. I am not going to rank Ronald Jones high until Ronald Jones does uh, does something to uh, to show us that, that he's a valid fantasy football starter. It's a good way of approaching it. Well, I, I don't I don't like very matter of fact. I don't like chasing. I try to do predictions instead, but for this particular team, it just doesn't seem like that's what they want to do. They want to they want to just pass to their stars. For the sake of my dynasty league, can we try out Keyshawn Vaughn so I know if he's actually good? Probably not. Yeah, that sucks. He's probably too far behind all those running backs. That's the problem with dynasty teams is, like, if you have a player that you drafted high and you don't get to see much of him, you got to hold on to him. Otherwise, you could possibly be throwing something away. Or do you just dump a first-round pick? It's it's such a tough call. Dynasty is it's a whole other beast, my man. Yeah, that's I love it. You drop a guy, and then two years later, he's someone else's, like, number two running back. Right. It's, it's like, well... I had the I had a fifteenth spot on my bench. I could have just left him there. Yeah. So moving on to wide receiver, we've got Nelson Aguilar. He's ranked number thirty eight. His ECR is fifty one. So you're thirteen spots ahead. That's a huge uh, difference. 
So is Nelson Aguilar the best pass catcher on the Patriots? Absolutely. The two tight end system is going to take a lot of work and they haven't figured it out yet. You know, it's not like we have Gronk and Hernandez. This is not that. So I don't know that you can say absolutely because I kind of like Jacoby Myers, who actually led the team in targets and catches. Uh, he had six uh, receptions for 44 yards, uh, and that was uh, both higher in the receptions and targets, six of nine, than Nelson Aguilar. But I don't want to interrupt you too much. I just want to say that, that Myers and Aguilar are probably going to go back and forth as the guys that get more targets on a, on a game-to-game basis. Yeah, well, Aguilar had 72 yards, so he did at least lead there. Catches and targets. Oh, I thought you mentioned yards. No, no. Aguilar wins in yardage, but, but you know, as you know, the all-important stat in uh, uh, PPR leagues, especially for receivers, is how many targets they get. Indeed it is. Um, so Mac Jones completed passes to eight different players on Sunday. Only three of them were wide receivers. So yes, you, you're going to have to pick out a wide receiver on this team who's going to have enough, uh, and they're going to be fantasy relevant. Yeah, those are your two guys. Aguilar is going to be more of a red zone threat, whereas uh, uh, so Jacoby Myers rankings, is going to be more of a slot receiver. Where you've got them? So obviously Aguilar is at 38, and then Jacoby Myers is further down. J-K-O-B-I. Where are you? Oh, he's 37. So they're right next to each other. Right, because I don't know which know. one's going to be better right. yet. But but you've got Aguilar, which will probably have less targets, but more of a propensity towards uh, downfield or red zone looks. And Jacoby Myers, who is filling the slot receiver role, which you know on a Bill Belichick offense could result in 12 targets per game. And Jacoby Myers doesn't didn't get mentioned here initially because his ECR is 38. Meaning, there's no D- Dave is in line with the experts on Jacoby Myers. Oh yeah, whereas he, you know, is a lot higher on Nelson Aguilar. I only wanted to mention that there's really two guys that are very close right now on that team. Makes but but you're it's good to point out your original point, point is that is that mostly uh, the targets are going to end up going to um, uh, in addition to Myers and Aguilar, uh, Hunter Henry and uh, Johnu Smith. Yeah, and he threw the ball 39 times in that game. I don't see that happening all the time and they ran the ball 30 times so i guess if they have 79 or 69 plays maybe but i get the feeling like bill belichick isn't the kind of coach that wants to like have the rookie just sling the ball over the yard all day well he's clearly decided that that's his rookie so i don't know what it's true i I don't know what their game map is going to look like but uh, we're going to find out in the next couple of games. I'll what? give you one more reason to go with Aguilar over Myers, which is that... <laughs> he was an eagle, so he knows what true misery is. <laughs> okay, two more reasons. All right. That and <laughs> Nelson Aguilar was not drafted by the Patriots. The Patriots cannot draft wide receivers. And Jacoby Myers... Technically, I think Jacoby was an undrafted free agent. Maybe. So maybe that's the only reason why he stuck around so long. Yeah, he's, he's not a drafted uh, wide receiver. Yeah, <laughs> lucky him. So, moving on, we've got Jalen Waddle of Miami. He's a rookie. His rank is number, he's ranked 40th. I really like Waddle. Me too. His ECR is 46, so you're six spots ahead on him. He's the only wide receiver that saw more than two targets from Tua, other than Devontae Parker. He's also one of the trio of rookie wide receivers this week who found the end zone, in addition to Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. So it's the first time that that's happened in week one of the NFL. I like Waddle as a good flex for deeper leagues, rank, being ranked 40 and all. Um, you would need a deeper league probably to squeeze him in there. 
Um, is there anything else that you like about Waddle? Like, what what was it that you saw this week, or is it just kind of his pedigree? No, he's a fabulous uh, was a fabulous receiver in college, and uh, this offense is looking for explosive playmakers. Um, and they've they've had a few that are older. I think Waddle and Fuller are going to end up leading this team in in big plays okay. uh, as long as Tua can really step up, and that's all there is to it. Explosive playmaker, uh, great receiver. Tua hit. So yeah, they just have to do it. Yep. So speaking of Will Fuller, he's ranked number forty one with an ECR of sixty eight. Yeah, just like the other guys, that's right? Twenty seven spot gap, and I think that that's because. He was suspended last week, and it just hasn't caught up yet. I think a lot of times in the ECR especially, or anywhere where you look online for like you know this week's rankings, there's going to be a lot of people that, that go into those rankings that have not updated things yet. Right, there's they were a, still on a, last week's. There's a slow push to get to the place that you need you to You kind make. of carry over. The way it works is you, you essentially carry over last week's rankings and then make adjustments from there. So he wouldn't have been ranked in most places last week. Um he should definitely be on your radar. He's the most talented receiver the Dolphins have. It remains to be seen how long it takes for him to get involved in the offense. I don't know that I would start him this week. I'd probably start Waddle over him. I would start Parker over him this week. But keep an eye on Fuller because he's a great talent, as we've seen. His ceiling is as high as anybody in the league. Um, all he needs is you know a quarterback who can get it to him. Seems like Tua is slowly taking steps forward and, you know, still getting better. Mm -hmm. So on the other side, we're going to look at some of the wide receivers that we're down on, starting with Brandon Cooks. His rank is number 35. His ECR is 28. So we're seven spots down on that. So Cooks feasted on Jacksonville's terrible secondary, but he is not Tyreek Hill. So he will not find uh, as much running room uh, against the Browns as Tyreek Hill did. This is a way more difficult opponent in the Browns. I am not buying the Texans. It's a good football team. I think the Browns are going to expose it this week. We've mentioned that a few times tonight. Um, you know, is it a matchup thing with Cooks, or are you not buying the Texans as a whole? Uh, I, I don't particularly like the Texans, but Cooks is clearly the number one receiver. Uh, he's going to have 1,000 yards this year with Tyrod Taylor. He's going to get uh, eight receptions plus per game. So he's still a good PPR play, but I think the Browns will limit him to any additional points he might get from touchdowns or longer plays. I, I think the important thing here is that Brandon Cooks is a, is a great receiver on a team that is going to be lackluster, but because he is the only real receiver of note, he will always get at least six, seven targets in every single game, which makes him PPR flex worthy. Uh, but he drops seven points because people are going to rank him high based on uh, the large uh, points share that he had last week. Yes, he really... Uh, he won't have that this week. Yeah. But he will, he'll have 1,000 yards this year as long as he can remain healthy uh, because he is the only guy on that team that is worthy as a wide receiver of uh, a lot of passes. They have Danny Amendola that they just picked up. He scored a touchdown last week, but, you know... <laughs> Cook, Cooks is a far better receiver. He's a top twenty receiver, maybe top twenty five in the in the NFL. All right, uh, Lavisca Chenault ranked forty five. His ECR is thirty seven. We're eight spots down on him. So Chenault had eight touches and only fifty nine yards. He was outgained by both Marvin Jones and DJ Chark, who we mentioned earlier finished at WR nineteen and twenty for the week. Uh, both of those guys were way more efficient when they did touch the ball. Um, although Chark was only had three catches on like 12 targets 
something ridiculous like that. So he's definitely going to have to clean that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am firmly in agreement with you right now on Chenault. He falls off the flex radar for me in all formats until Trevor Lawrence can establish more consistent, a more efficient passing game. Lawrence was 28 for 51. That's not sustainable. That's only a 55% completion rate. That's not going to cut it in the NFL. And, um, you know, if he's got two guys that he's thrown to who are producing, he would be wise to keep feeding those guys the ball. If Chenault is going to, you know, basically average six yards a touch as a wide receiver, he's not going to be fantasy worthy, you know, unless you're in a super deep PPR league. There you go. I'm glad you agree with me on most of these. That's great. It's a it's a much easier conversation to have with you, well, than, you than, know, than you disagreeing with me. These on, make sense. Well, we did all my rankings. We did uh, <laughs> off screen talk about uh, Christian Kirk a little bit, but we've also mentioned him uh, on the podcast as well. You know, that's well, one that just, we don't necessarily he's just agree. Such an up and down player that it's difficult to start on every week basis until he has some consistency. That's he all. is. That's I think all. that if he can go back to last year's uh, snap percentage, then he will be. Like an every week flex option. Oh, he still only scored touchdowns in like five games out of the season, you know. But we're not talking about Kirk anymore. We, uh, can, we so can talk. This is the Kirk podcast. The Christian Kirk. Yeah. Hour. We have six listeners. They're mostly his family members. <laughs> we only say good things about Christian. No, I agree about uh, your um, analysis of my analysis of Lavisca Chanel. All right. So Kenny Galladay ranked forty six. His ECR is thirty seven. We're seven spots down on him. New York Giants. Um, so we're going to throw Galladay in the list of the guys that we're moving from flex consideration. He was third on his team in targets behind Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. Uh, and that tracks with their usage from last season. It tracks with the camp reports because they were, the reports were very down on Galladay. He wasn't catching anything in camp. He didn't have a very good camp, uh, this year for the giants as a, he was a free agent, right? He didn't get traded there. Did he? Um, so yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think he's going to be third or fourth in the pecking order on the team right now. Uh, that team is way more concerned with getting Saquon Barkley going. Uh, they're more concerned with developing Kadarius Tony, I think. So they have an uh, upcoming match against Washington. I think that you definitely sit Galladay this week because Washington is a really tough matchup. What did I say earlier this season? That Sterling Shepard is the guy in, in New York. And they're yep. just going to pass him the ball every single play. And when Evan Engram is healthy, it's going to be Evan Engram and Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley. Right. Like they don't they don't care who. They're... And they'll occasionally throw it deep to uh, um, Darius Slayton. Yeah, and and Galladay is out there, and that's great. But like he, they haven't made him part of the offense. They haven't really cohesively made him a part of uh, of their squad. So we'll see if they do. But the New York Football Giants, man, they. Are not a particularly good team there with Daniel Jones under center. No, no, they are not. Mm-mm. So let's take a let's take a little break. Move to our last uh, segments. Uh, we are definitely running low on time, but I can talk fast, so we're good. All right, micro machines guy, <laughs> not that fast. Let's <laughs> love the bass. like to read a can as a big voice tv guy i can try this is gonna 
It's going to cut into my uh, my fantasy football broadcast time. Also, <laughs> Paps doesn't really have a story that's not in cursive. <laughs> well, the Daisy Cutter can is even less. It's like a Surgeon General's warning. No. I, another time. Perhaps. Another time. <laughs> um, well, so the, the part two of, of the podcast here, uh, or part three, depending on, on how you want to break it up, is uh, insights and analysis into week two. Uh, we'll call play- it section C. Players... Uh, that are, are falling under the category of Fantasy Fool's Gold. We've done this many times. In this particular broadcast, I want to talk about guys that are not going to be good for the rest of the year, even though they might seem like they will right now. Uh, and this is an important distinction to saying, for example, a sit. So it's not just a sit for week two. It's it's guys that look really good right now, but yeah. are not going to be good going forward. So you're saying maybe dangle these guys in trade offers. Absolutely trade them, get them off of your team as soon as you possibly can. All right. So we have Sammy Watkins uh, with Sammy. Does he get like a a Lifetime Fool's Gold Award? Yeah, (laughs) because he's a good receiver. But he's always showing up in this segment, I feel. He's a good receiver, but he hasn't had consistency for a very long time. Uh, you know, back when he was uh, on the teams that started his career and even on the Rams, uh, he had games that he could string together. So there'd be three or four games where he would have uh, a lot of fantasy points that was worthwhile of starting. Do you think but, he just needs like a warm rock to sit on before the game starts so he has more energy? I, I don't know what it needs. Okay. But uh, he was drafted this year as the WR89. So people decided uh, we're done with Sammy. He went to Baltimore. Baltimore doesn't throw the ball. Uh, but he is the week one wonder who, by the way, over the past few years in week one, has always put up a big game. Yeah. He's always good and ready to go. At the he had the three the touchdown end. game with the Chiefs a couple years ago. Yeah, so he put up 11.6 fantasy points as WR37. He led the Baltimore Ravens in targets with eight and yards in 96, and he looks very much like the number one wide receiver of the Ravens, especially in that game. Now, they do have Marquise Brown, but Marquise Brown didn't put up as many points as he did, and Marquise Brown tends to be more of uh, like a downfield threat, uh, whereas Sammy Watkins is that big-bodied possession receiver that you love to see, especially in PPR leagues that everybody's in now. Uh, I think this is a hit-or-miss kind of situation based on how much of a shootout the Ravens are in. So, uh, for example, if the Ravens are playing Kansas City, and when are they playing Kansas City? This week. Right. This could Sunday be a night, good, probably. This I could think. be another good game for Sammy Watkins. So, like I said earlier, uh, this is not a don't ever play this guy or a don't have this guy on your team. It's a, uh, in a couple of games, he's not going to be worth anything. Yeah. So I would say you could either play him again this week and then try to sell him or try to sell him right now. But Sammy Watkins' uh, value is going to fall, and it's a player that um, could be a flex start throughout the year. But generally, looking at his teams and his performance, and especially being on the Ravens, who are, are not a throw-the-ball-first team, they're a run team, uh, you're just not going to have enough to have him be of any value. So if he is to start on your team this week and score another 12 points or 15 points or score a touchdown, you have to try to trade him for anything you can get. Yeah, I agree. Uh, number two, Melvin Gordon. He finished as the RB6 in week one. That's great, 19.3 points. But take away the 70-yard touchdown that he had in the fourth quarter, that number drops to That's six. 13 of those points. Right. <laughs> so it drops to 6.3. This happens a lot in fantasy. Like We don't realize that sometimes when a player has a 24-point game and we're not watching the game and we don't go back and look at the specifics of the game, we forget 
just where all those points came from. And so in this case, 6.3 points is what he would have had. In fact, he actually had less carries during the game than the new running back, Javante Williams, that they just drafted. Yeah. And and the team managers that didn't pay attention, they, they could be clamoring to start Gordon on a, on a week-by-week basis. But in reality, Gordon is going to have less and less touches as Williams gains more and more because they are completely and totally heading that direction as Williams to be their primary back and Gordon to be the veteran presence who backs up Williams. So do you want to keep this guy in your team? I say no. I say sell him. You know, And this isn't necessarily a, uh, a sell column, but all these guys are going to, I think it's going to apply to all of them. Yeah, if, you're, if they're fool's gold, then you need to fool someone and <laughs> sell them. And I, Well, it's not even fooling because they, they did score the points. Like, <laughs> Right, right. I mean... But yes, yes. So I, I'll put this up on drink5.com so you can see it tomorrow with all the stats and everything. But seriously consider getting these guys off your team and trying not to cut them, uh, maybe even playing them another game because I'm not saying they're, they're immediately going to be bad and unusable. Uh, the third they have guy, value beyond cutting, for yeah, sure. The third guy is Tyson Williams. Uh, Williams rushed for nine times for 65 yards. Great, right? One touchdown. Monday Night Football, making him the RB9 in Week 1. He also caught three passes for 29 yards, and that's a total of 16.9 points. Yeah, There was a huge like group that scored between like 15 and 17 points. There must have been 15 running backs there. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take anything away from this performance because it was very good. There was a lot of players out there, RG3 and some other uh, uh, NFL, uh, uh, maybe he doesn't fall into greats, but uh, guys that were explosive uh, who said, this guy is also explosive. It's kind of like an M&M calling another M&M uh, candy-covered chocolate. Uh, but but he looked great. He, he showcased good speed, broke a bunch of tackles. Uh, this is not the usage he'll continue to see over the course of the season, though. A lot of people are really high on Tyson, uh, but newly signed veteran uh, running back Latavius Murray from the Saints, he took the majority of the carries and pay attention to when they were. They were in the second half when the game was on the line, when yep. they were actually looking to someone who was going to be good in those clutch situations. They gave it to Murray. In fact, Williams only had two carries in the second half of that football game. So what does that mean? It means they don't trust him. And he's a new player, so we understand that. But the important thing here is that Williams missed a blitz pickup in overtime. The blitz pickup that led to Lamar Jackson having a strip sack fumble and the Raiders subsequently losing the game. Yeah. So no, no doubt. The, uh, oh, sorry, the Ravens. The Ravens. So no doubt Williams is uh, talented, but those kinds of mistakes on top of Murray's already split usage and either Le'Veon Bell or Devonta Freeman, who are going to come into that as a third down back. I think it'll be Bell because Freeman doesn't have the ability as a third down pass protect back. Yeah. Uh, will result in a lot less fantasy production going forward. So enjoy the you know the points that you had here, 16.9. It may end up being the highest that Williams has the entire year. This, I think, of all the guys we've mentioned so far, is the best trade candidate right now. Oh, yeah. So people are, are going gaga over uh, the Ravens running backs and the, and the 49ers running back, uh, who uh, we, can, we can touch on. We didn't touch on him uh, maybe later. Um, there is a question about that, so we'll chat. But uh, the Ravens, um, the interesting thing about them is that Lamar Jackson is often the, the leading rusher right, of the team. And because they lost two guys in both J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, 
we're sitting here relying on, uh, you know, a Brit. And whoever the third guy was supposed to be, too. I forget his name. Well, Trenton Cannon was picked up. Yeah. But I don't think he was ever a starter on that, on that squad. At, at one point, he was ranked, he was above Tyson Williams on the depth chart, at least. Yeah. But all I'm saying is, Tyson, uh, that's great. Uh, you did really well. Uh, a little raw. And it's not going to be the guy in the backfield that everyone's hoping it'll be. So don't pretend that it'll be. As a smart team manager, uh, you either pick up the other guys and, and you wait and see. Or you try to sell Tyson for someone else that you can get that's going to be good for the rest of the year. Um, Debo Samuel. So these two last guys that we're going to talk about have been really, really good in week one. I just feel that they're both going to regress over the the course of the year, making them, again, probably the best, uh, along with Tyson, uh, trade targets that you can have on your team. Yeah. Debo had a WR3 finish with 27.4 points, which is uh, nine receptions on 12 targets for 189 yards and a touchdown. Now, he did have a really long touchdown, too, so you could you could kind of take that out of his stats. But he did such such a good job in that game that I'm not – trying to take anything away from him yeah um he's not a flash in the pan player he's been around for a few years in his uh rookie year he had more than 800 yards receiving for the 49ers he was injured much of his sophomore year so we won't even take that into account but there's a couple things to note so one brandon Ayuk, who has a hamstring injury who wasn't really able to play much except for uh, as a decoy don't hear much about uh, rookie decoys that's Uh, true Uh, he'll be eased into this offense and take some targets away from Samuel. He was drafted as a guy to be a number one receiver for this team. As he was. And number two, uh, the Eagles defense that he'll face in week two. Is I this... saw people overreacting on Ayuk and dropping him on the waiver wire Oh, this that's week. great. Pick him up. I agree. <laughs> Uh, the Eagles defense he'll face in week two profiles is much better than the Lions. We talked about the Lions earlier. Anyone going against the Lions right now, especially Aaron Rodgers, is just going to have a field day through their secondary. Yeah. The Eagles defense is not the most amazing in the league, but it's a lot better. Calvin Ridley only chalked up 51 yards on five catches against those uh, same Eagles. And so Samuel and Gronk, who I'll talk about next, uh, like I said, are the best players in the Fantasy Fool's Gold segment. But I think it's important to understand that they probably played their best games already. They just played them. So don't expect for these guys to be putting up 25 points per week. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, this is sell a, them while that's their average. A good time to sell. A good time. Uh, and the, the longer you wait out on those players, the less value they have uh, for your team in every way. Yeah. So... We, we talk about this all the time, right? Halfway through the season, you got a guy where you're like, I know he's going to come back on. I know he's going to come back on. And I'm like, sell the guy. Sell the guy. He never comes back on. It's like when someone is at the peak of, of their athletic ability and their fantasy productiveness, sell the guy. Don't – how do you – why do people think that they're just going to continue to be amazing? There's only been like one or two players like that ever. Yeah. You know, if someone's doing really well, sell them. Get guys that you have a good, consistent floor with. So – uh, I think I expect five to six catches for 50 to 80 yards uh, this week. And in general with Debo, I don't think we're going to see much more than that. You could have a game with a touchdown. You could have a game that's 100 yards. But you're not going to get this week one outing. So I consider it a lucky spin. I think that WR2 slash three numbers are what you should expect from him. Doesn't mean don't start him on your team. It means don't pretend like he's a WR1. <laughs> Very well put. And I... <sighs> I don't. I don't want to believe you with the next guy with Gronk, but you know, 
I love Gronk. You so must be, you've got to. You're probably right about it. Tight end one, 25 points. Uh, is Gronk back to the glory days? And yes, is the answer in a way. Same relationship with Brady. He's got the same kinds of plays and mismatches that we've looked for in the past when he was uh, under the Belichick umbrella. Uh, and we know that Gronkowski's gears were already getting rusty. We know that injuries tend to uh, to form under under that uh, under that Gronk skin. Uh, we know that they crop up over the course of a football season and they make Gronkowski no longer a good football player. Yeah. We've seen this happen already. Mm-hmm. But he's playing really well right now. And I will admit that it looked like he drank some water from the Fountain of Youth out there. Uh, he eight grabs, 90 yards, two touchdowns. But like plastic bags, not sustainable, right? <laughs> right. Uh, we need the paper straw version of a Rob Gronkowski. Oh, God, we don't need that. Nobody needs, <laughs> nobody needs paper straw anything. Come on, let's be serious here. Uh, we will see a major drop-off from Gronk going forward. We will. It's not going to keep up. Right, uh, but we may not see it this week. So the Falcons, great time to play him. You have Gronk on one of your teams on my dynasty team. So this on the is, dynasty team where I've had him forever. This could be the best opportunity you'll ever have in your life. You play him this week against the Falcons. You hype him up with somebody and you sell him to a win now team. Yeah, if you can get like a second round pick for Gronkowski, that would be a win, 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 win. I like, what I. The trouble is, I have no other tight end options at all. Ah, uh, yeah. He may be better than nothing. Well, then you have to get maybe a, maybe you can get a second round and, uh, and a tight, tight end, end back. Yeah. We'll see. It's tough. Uh, but that's a tough trade to pull off. But put him out there as a tight end one uh, once more because the Falcons have uh, just as bad of a defense, and so it's a great spot to put him in once more. Um, but he's going to go up against the Rams in week three, and then he has a lot uh, again uh, tougher. Not tougher, but as tough matchups going forward. That's going to be an awesome game. Yeah, it'll be good. That might be, looking at the week three slate, you got the Bills and the Washington football team. I'm really hoping the Rams beat the Bucks. So <laughs> The Chargers and the Chiefs. And really, the Rams and the Bucks might be the best matchup of that week. Ugh. It looks like a tasty matchup to me. Yeah. So as, as as viewers, not as you know, people who want to sort of guess what the hell's going to happen to that game. Yes. <laughs> so so those are my fantasy fools gold picks. Again, these are guys that uh, I think a lot of people won't come out and say it, but they they're not going to be good uh, when you get to the half of the season. They're not going to be the guys that are up on those uh, pedestals. These are some hot takes. I appreciate them. Well, it's uh, better to take hot takes than the cold brews. You know, uh, anybody can do those. <laughs> this cold brew went down pretty well, though, I have to say. <laughs> the PBR is pretty good. The PBR hard coffee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so that's it. Uh, any Anything to add before we move on to our bet uh, betting segment? No, I, I love the Fool's Gold segment. I definitely think that you uh, you should definitely uh, try and sell these guys in the Fool's Gold. Yeah, and it's rough. It's hard to do as an owner, and I know because I own a couple of them, but it's hard to do. Because you look at those guys and you look at the points that they're putting up and you say, well, they can help me win games right now. But yeah. they just lose value. They bleed value. Yes, that's week. what's going to happen. Yep. Um, okay. And uh, I was wondering if there was some interlude there. That's fine. You're going to have to write more music if you want to stop every segment. <laughs> yes, we have so many segments. I don't know, I don't know what to do with them all. <laughs> Uh, so week two over under. So here's the deal. One of us will start by picking a guy from this list, briefly discussing his fantasy outlook based on our individual takes. Okay. And then we'll pick a line. This is all in half PPR. Are we going to pick a line or are we going to go off of last week's line? No, no. 
and just say they're going to go better or worse than last week. We have to read the instructions, then pick a line, half PPR. The other will provide any insight they might have and then guess over under. So the loser buys a bottle of whiskey, 30 or under, so we're not like doing something crazy. But gotcha. if we tie, because there's eight players in total, gotcha. then it will be double or nothing, and that's all there okay. is to well, it. Okay, well, why don't you lead us off so that I can uh, follow your lead. Okay. Well, I, I'm not going to be quick about it, so apologies. Okay. But uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and lead us off with uh, Jalen Waddle, who we talked about, wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Okay. He was the wide receiver 27, who had 14.1 points in week one via half PPR. I happen to think that he'll do pretty well this week as well. But I don't think he'll do as well as he did last week because, you know, maybe he won't. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put his over under for you at ten point five. So they play the Bills this week. The Bills did a pretty good job at holding down the um, the uh, Steelers wide receivers last week. So ten point five points and half point PPR. You say mm-hmm. we've got Will Fuller back. It's Jalen Waddle. Basically, what you're saying is touchdown or not with a line like that when you look at pittsburgh none of their receivers got to 10 point well it looks like deontay johnson would have gotten to 10.5 johnson's basically the number one guy there now with all the yeah. targets but the other guys uh you're saying they, they didn't get like long touchdown passes none of them yeah like they would normally do because Juju's the bills, four for 52 is only 7.2 the bills were limiting that yeah yep i am gonna go under under 10.5. Okay. So. Are you, are you going to yeah, drop those down? Jason under 10.5. Okay. Um, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts uh, had a great game. We were down on him in the. Uh, I was certainly down on him in the preseason. I um, still think that, you know, perhaps they just got a really shitty Atlanta team to play, and that's why they they did so well. Mm-hmm. So Jalen Hurts wound up turning in a 264-yard performance, three touchdowns, and 57 yards rushing. Uh, that was good for 28.26 points in week one. This week, the Philadelphia Eagles go against San Francisco. the San Francisco 49ers. The Eagles are home. I will set Jalen Hurts' line at 21 points. Will he go over or under 21 points, Dave? Uh, so San Francisco just played uh, just played Cleveland, and, and Cleveland scored a ton of points. Uh, or the, no, Detroit. San Francisco played Detroit. Yeah. And Detroit scored a ton of points late on San Francisco. They did. Uh, and even though I'm not a big fan of Jared Goff or uh, Detroit's offense in general, they didn't seem to have any problems scoring points there. Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback. I think that they'll be playing from behind for most of the game. Uh, so I'm going to say over the, the 21. See, I think that when he's playing from behind and not with a comfortable lead, he's going to have many difficulties. Well, that's fine. You don't have to bet. That's why I set the line where I set it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Okay. And uh, and Clyde Edwards, uh, last week, only scored uh, 8.7 points in week one. Okay. Did you watch the uh, the Kansas City game? I got to see a decent amount of it, yeah. 
So he rushed 14 times for 43 yards and had three targets for 29. Uh, but he basically uh, took all of the targets and all of the carries for Kansas City. They just didn't do a whole lot. Right. Um, and so I think that he could be a really great running back this year. They're playing Baltimore, who has a good defense uh, at Baltimore. Um, but I think that, that perhaps he'll score a touchdown um this particular outing so i will put i will put his uh his points at let's say uh 20 yards receiving and 60 yards rushing and a touchdown uh that's two passes and half ppr so one uh that would be three plus the six is nine plus the six is 15 uh i'll I'll put his points at 14.1 Boy, that's a high line. I wanted to go. I, I, I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going over whatever you're throwing at me, but 14.1 is a lot. So, <laughs> Josh Jacobs, the leading running back against the Ravens last week, found the end zone twice, and that's why he went over. They really didn't have a whole lot going on on the ground, but Derek Carr was able to beat the freaking ravens yeah the maybe the defense isn't as as bad as uh as bad to the bone as we thought well it looked really good early (laughs) on man oh they were they were really good but this is the chiefs after all um and i gotta assume that they're gonna focus on the passing game and give clyde edwards hilaire some running room i want to go over all right, over it is. Over 14.1. I knew I'd get you to go over, and that's good because I have him on a squad, so if he does well. Yeah, I got him too. That's, I appreciate Perhaps it. Perhaps I'm slightly biased. <laughs> that's the way that this game goes. All right, I am going to go with Juwan Johnson of New Orleans. He was the tight end five last week. He scored 15.6 points. He had those uh, that pair of touchdowns, right? So uh, New Orleans with Jameis Winston had a whopping 148 Yards receiving, yards uh, rushing, or passing. You'll get there eventually. I wasn't wrong when I said receiving, in fact, (laughs) but it was passing. Um, This week, New Orleans is going to play the Panthers. They're going to be, I believe they get to play in uh, New Orleans this week. Um, Not 100% sure on that. It's at Carolina. It is? Yeah, at Carolina Panthers. Then why are they listed second? I don't know. Oh, they're listed first. Pro football references are fucking me up. Okay, so they're playing in Carolina. We've got Juwan Johnson. For most tight ends, especially tight ends in a situation like him, it's will he score a touchdown or not. Yeah, I agree. So when you say will he score a touchdown, you got to wonder, is he going to have three catches and a touchdown in 25 yards? Week one he had three. Uh, he got three, three, for, three 21 for 21. Two. Yeah. Um, so that's eight, nine and a half. I'm going to give you a nine point, nine points. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's a touchdown, uh, a touchdown and like two passes or three yeah. passes. Yeah. Yeah. Same or he thing. winds up with like six for 50. That's tough for, for the guy to get two touchdowns and then have another good game and more touchdowns. Uh, if Jameis Winston is just going to throw five touchdowns a game, then I'm 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 buying into that. <laughs> yeah. um, well, it apparently forty five percent of uh, of Winston's attempts went directly to the tight ends. 
so I, I trust that there's still going to be more. The question is, what other tight ends did he throw to with Adam Troutman, who's uh, um, who's sidelined, and Nick Vanett, who's on IR? Like uh, it would have been uh, Josh Peterson. I guess maybe I'm not even familiar with this guy from Louisiana Monroe University. He threw to a lot of different people. We don't even who know who is they this Jameis Winston. The only reason why, the only reason why we know these people from the Saints roster is because is Jameis Winston wanted them to be known. <laughs> yeah, he's really just uh, he's trying to open people's eyes. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I, I, I wish I could go with that, but. Uh, Juwan Johnson starting the year with three touchdowns? Uh, I don't think so, so I'll go under. Okay, I, I wrote under already, predicting what you would go. Okay, predicting the predictor, I see, yes. Predicting. <laughs> All right, uh, so we have... Um, There's four guys left. Do we, we want to tell people who's left? Or no. We'll find out. We have uh, Chris Manhurts, who is a crazy tight end on the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, the idea is that uh, he caught one target for a 22-yard touchdown. Um, <laughs> he, he got a big deal earlier in the season, $6.65 million for two years. But then James O'Shaughnessy ended up getting the, uh, the starting gig. And Manhurts only played 35% of the offensive snaps, but he was still able to get the second touchdown of his career. Now, the question is, is he still going to be relevant on an offense that Trevor Lawrence is just passing to all of those checkdown targets? I don't think he's going to get a touchdown, so I will give you a very low line of three. Three. Good luck. Will Chris Manhurts <laughs> have three catches for 15 yards? Yes, he will. Oh. Because... He's going to, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to throw the ball 40 times if he doesn't throw it 50. Yeah, he's going to throw it a lot, yeah. Over 3.0. Urban Meyer wants to give the ball to Manhurts. I, I like that gimme. Thank you. Perhaps that's a, a return for the under nine. I mean, he only had, on one, he only had one pass last week, so. <laughs> but he did score a touchdown. You're right. He could have no passes this week. Or two passes for, for five yards. Uh, so you have not guessed on a running back yet. We'll go with Damian Harris. He was the RB23 last week. He scored 10.9, sorry, 10.7 points. Um, New England will be playing. I need We need to like put the schedule up in big, bold, bright letters. Uh, that's so not that a bad idea. We, we could put the schedule up uh, somewhere over here. But they, they play at the Jets. I see now. Okay. Jets, bad. They're not bad. They gave up a lot on the ground, but it was to Mr. McCaffrey. Okay, they're pretty bad. Uh, I mean, they're fairly bad. The Jets are the bad team that I'm going to like this year, though. <laughs> That's basically the way it goes. Um, so, Damien Harris is going to have. Mm-hmm. So he had 23 rushes for 100 yards. Uh, and two receptions for 17. If there's anything we know about New England is that there's no consistency at that position. So Agreed. he's either going to have three touchdowns next week or five carries. Well, he did fumble late, and Belichick was very upset about this. Oh, so Belichick's going to take him out on his boat and freaking sled his throat. Maybe. I don't think he'll literally Ooh. kill him. I mean... <laughs> You know what's interesting is I think that 
as RB23 and 10.7 is exactly what to expect from Damian Harris. Yeah, so same So thing. I'm going to set you a 10.7 point line. Will he do better or worse than last week? Uh, all right, I'll bet on the Bill Belichick line that that he he either takes him out of the game or doesn't use him as much and tosses in a bunch of other randos. So um, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, J.J. Taylor, some some random James people. White. Yeah, well, James White's not random, but no, but he feels random because you don't hear from him for four weeks. He's the best running back that, that Bill Belichick never, never plays. plays. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll go under that amount. Okay. It sucks because Damian Harris is, has been good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good line to set. Yeah. Okay. Uh, looks like we have uh, one left, and that is, by default, Mike Williams on the Chargers. Now, There's one other player, too. Oh. Well, I guess I'll take that one. So Mike Williams on the Chargers, wide receiver 16, uh, 18.2 points in week one. I love Mike Williams. I always have. He's a, uh, a specialist at uh, at those um, at those balls, the like the jump balls, getting yeah. the balls that are um, uh, what's contested. Um, and he's also a fast guy. He's uh, he's he's a very um, well. Uh, he's he's oft been injured or had issues with health, but when he's healthy, he does really well. I think that towards the end of last year, Justin Herbert came on. Mike Williams was getting some great, great games. Did you know that it's also Mike Williams' contract year this year? And he's getting paid like $18 million or something like that because that's uh, that's what he was contracted for in his last year. Okay. Uh, and it looks like he's either going to play well enough to solidify his position to get a renewal, or he's going to be off somewhere else. So it's one of those guys playing his year, uh, playing for his life. And uh, Josh Palmer, a rookie wide receiver they just drafted, was supposed to be a guy who could come in and compete for that position. But the way that Mike Williams is playing in week one, it's going to be him and Keenan Allen all year. I don't see anybody taking anything away from Williams. So as long as he's around there, I feel like he's going to do a good job. Now, who is who are the Chargers playing in week two? Uh, the Chargers play the Cowboys. All right. They will be hosting the Cowboys in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, so I think that, uh, that that we give uh, Sir Mike Williams a uh, couple of nice long passes, um, but not a touchdown. So I'm going to give him four receptions for, uh, for 95 yards and sit you at 13.5. That's a full PPR, but sorry. Uh, uh, so it'd be it'd be twelve point five. Twelve point zero is what you're gonna give me. Twelve point two. Twelve point two. So last week he had twelve targets, which uh, trailed Keenan Allen by one for the team lead. Yeah, he's been good. Uh, eight catches. So, if he's going to use him that much, then it's going to be way over four receptions, and I'll feel comfortable going over. The question is, are they going to get to throw the ball as much against Dallas? Tom Brady threw the ball 51 times in beating Dallas. Dallas was not able to get home and, and apply any pressure to Tom Brady, and they just lost to Marcus Lawrence. I'm going over. All right. 12.2. Over for Mike Williams. That's great. All right, uh, the final uh, player that we have on our list is, for you, Dave, it's going to be Matthew Stafford, 
who was the QB 10 of the week. He had 24.34 points in a game against one of his old rivals, the Chicago Bears. So the Rams this week are playing... The Colts at, at Indianapolis. Mm, the Colts just gave up four touchdowns to Russell Wilson. And... I didn't see that game. I got. I got to watch that. It game was a replay. noon game, so you were watching the Steelers. Of course, yeah, hundred percent, I was. Yeah. So Stafford coming back near his old stomping grounds, but not quite there. I don't think that matters. I'm just kind of vamping. What was he QB ten? Boy, that seems like the right kind of average. I'm gonna put him right at twenty four points. Well, that'd be a great game for Stafford on my squad. If he gets 24 yeah, points. Yeah, mine too. Hmm. 24.0. He's got a lot of targets. He's got so much more talent than he's ever had. All right, fair enough. Um, I'm going to say that this particular game has more goal line stands and running back stuff going on uh, to punch in those touchdowns, uh, and it's not all going to be Stafford yeah. uh, via the receiving targets. So I'll, I'll go under on Matt Stafford. I would like it to be over. It that's, would, it that's, would be helpful. That's sort of where I was leaning was that it'd probably be better to go under. So uh, to recap real quick, Dave, you're going under 24 on Stafford, over 21 on Hertz, under 10.7 on Damian Harris, and under 9.0 on Jawan Johnson. I'm going over 14 on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I didn't write over or under on Mike Williams, and I'm pretty sure I went over. Yeah, it's over. 12.2. Yeah. I'm going under 10.5 on Jalen Waddell and over 3.0 on Chris Manhurts. <laughs> That's the best one. It's my favorite. So, so this uh, is going to go uh, to a future bottle of whiskey for the podcast, which we don't have to drink. Ooh, future whiskey. Where, yeah. What part of the liquor store do they sell future whiskey? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> don't have to drink the whole thing on the show, but we should drink some of it. And uh, yeah. uh, if we do tie, then it becomes double or nothing, creating an under 60 bottle. For which, the following week? Which is fantastic. That sounds a lot of fun. And if we tie again, then it becomes... Is it a 90 bottle or a $120 bottle? We'll... we'll We'll, we'll cross we'll, that bridge when we we'll get to We'll read that street sign when we can get close enough to it. <laughs> Hopefully we're not too drunk. Uh, we do have one question I'd like to bring up. Do you we like, have two questions, in fact. One, do you like Robbie Anderson or Eli Mitchell as flex in week two, standard PPR? Uh, and and I, if I can weigh in here, that brings us to an Eli Mitchell conversation, which I'll have very quickly. Um, Kyle Shanahan has both confused people with a menagerie of running backs and picked certain running backs to go with forever and ever. So uh, it's difficult to tell what he's going to do, but Eli Mitchell seems to be the guy right now. So uh, there was a lot of people that went out and grabbed him on their waiver wires or Dynasty Leagues in which they already owned him. And I think that there will be some immediate payoff. Now, I think the question is whether or not that payoff uh, seeds later in the season sure. because other people come back, like Jeff Wilson... Uh, or if Trey Sermon uh, is worked in. Yep, but, but those guys aren't coming back yet. Not yet. So I think Eli Mitchell is the guy right now. So on your flex rankings for half PPR, Eli Mitchell, uh, Elijah, if you will, is 47th. Robbie Anderson is 64th. Right. 
I agree with that. Yeah, so it's 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 Elijah Mitchell right now. Uh, that could change down the season. It depends on what Shanahan and the 49ers running back situation looks like. But, but for, for week two. Week two, it's it's Mitchell. I agree. you got to start the guy who's probably going to be the lead back for the 49ers in any week. Yep. If, if you if you if there's a guy who's lined up for that, you got to start him in any week because they're going to be good. And that's all you're going to get out of them because they're going to get hurt the next week. Yes. Uh, we have another question from, uh, someone who may or may not be a bot. Uh, he wants to know who do you think has a better year? Scary Terry or a Rob? I think that you're going to see Justin Fields sooner than later in Chicago and that he will throw the ball to Allen Robinson a lot. And I think that Allen Robinson, by the end of the year, will have a better year than Terry McLaurin, who is going to have more quarterback uncertainty than even uh, a, a Rob will. Plus, I think Allen Robinson is probably a better talent as well. Uh, both those guys are top 15 wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, the one with the more talented team right now is Allen Robinson. Uh, oh, I would disagree. Oh, really? You think Taylor Heineke uh, and is better than Andy Dalton? I think he has a chance to be. <laughs> he's not better than Andy Dalton. I think he played better when he played this week than he's, Andy Dalton did. He's not better than Andy Dalton. Okay. Uh, but that doesn't matter. We're talking about the whole year, right? Yes, we're talking about the whole year. So don't worry about those guys now. And so but, that's why I'm putting Justin Fields in as Allen Robinson's quarterback. But the point is, Washington literally right now has a backup quarterback that is completely unproven. Whereas Andy Dalton is at least a middling quarterback that we know who he is. So one is better than the other. Hmm... <laughs> you you like Heineke. I'm sorry. I just think that Andy Dalton is... We're coming to the same conclusion, so it doesn't really matter how we get there. Allen Robinson is the guy for uh, for this year. Yeah. Yep. But, but We've taken different routes. We've arrived in the same place. But Terry McLaurin uh, could be the more talented wide receiver, uh, you know, when we get five years down the road. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. If you're in a dynasty league, I would rather have McLaurin than Allen Robinson. Yep. So... That was excellent. I, I loved it. Did you love it? I love it. <laughs> so uh, make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and anywhere that you get a podcasts. You know, if you pull it from somewhere else, uh, go to Twitter. Follow us at Drink5. Check out Drink5 on Facebook and Instagram. You can go to Drink5.com. Check out the Rookie Report. Check out the betting advice. Check out Statistically Insignificant. Go look at Dave's rankings. Look at the confidence pool. I'm forgetting somebody, and I apologize in advance. But thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Drink five, everyone. If you like this music, it'll be available soon. (laughs) Cheers. Happy Wednesday evening.